Hello, welcome to Jabber, and an episode entitled Codes of the Heart. He sat on the edge of the bed, wondering if there was anything he could have changed. Anything that would have made a difference. If only he could have done something. Anything. Perhaps this guilt and hurt would be a little less intense. But indeed, it wasn't. Nor could it be. He was a painter. But not just any painter. He was an artist. In fact, he was one of the greatest painters of his day. His paintings were talked about throughout the United States and even into Europe. In fact, in the year 1820, he was commissioned to paint the official portrait of the fifth president of the United States, James Monroe. He had already been honored to paint a portrait of John Adams, the second president of the United States. But this day, sitting on his bed, those accomplishments were long forgotten. For the year was now 1825, and he sits on his bed in anguish, for he has just missed the death of his dear wife. He didn't miss it due to a lack of concern. He didn't miss it due to busyness or even a distraction. He missed the death of his wife due to a lag in communication. It just simply took too long to send a message in 1825. So sitting on the edge of his bed in 1825, Samuel B. Morse vowed to do something to change that. And change it, he did. For the next 11 years, he would work incessantly on a device that sent pulses of electronic current. And in 1836, his device was finally complete. It would be known as the telegraph. However, his machine was unable to send voice messages. So he and his business partner, Alfred Vail, worked out a code of dashes and dots, or long and short bursts of noises using these electric pulses. And that code would become known as Morse code. It's been used all over the world, but for the next couple of minutes, I would like to share a couple of instances where it was used to speak from the heart. The date, July 18, 1965, and from the deck of the USS Independence, an A-6 intruder would be launched that would change the world. His name was Jeremiah Denton, and he had been a pilot for a long time. He had enlisted in the Navy in 1943 during World War II. He had went on to serve as a test pilot and then a flight instructor, and finally, he was sent to Vietnam to 
to serve as a commanding officer of an attack squadron. On this day in July, he was leading a large group of planes on a bombing raid as they took off from the South China Sea and flew into North Vietnam. But not long after the mission began, anti-aircraft guns hit his plane with shrapnel, and as his plane began to spiral towards the ground, he was left with no choice but to eject. He pulled that ejection button, or lever, and parachuted into enemy territory, and within a short time he was captured by the Viet Cong. He was taken to a prisoner of war camp called the Zoo, which at the time was the most feared camp in northern Vietnam. He was placed in solitary confinement in a three-foot by nine-foot cell, not allowed to see the sunlight except when he was taken from that cell to be beaten and tortured. He was kept in darkness and whipped with bamboo poles and rubber whips. He began to wonder, does my family know I'm alive? Is my government still looking for me? And yet in the terror, he would not break or bend. He would only give his captors his name, rank, and serial number, as he had been taught in his military training. The enemy decided to make a propaganda video. This pilot, they decided, would be the star of the video. The date was May 2nd, 1966. They set up an interview with a Japanese reporter, and while the reporter asked questions, the prisoner was instructed to tell how great communism was, how wonderful the Viet Cong was treating the prisoners, and to also condemn America and condemn the war. The pilot wants to get a message to the world about the truth of what POWs are living in, but one wrong word and he knew that he would be severely beaten, possibly killed. As the reporter began asking questions about the guards' treatment of the captives, the pilot stayed defiant and backed at the U.S. in the interview. In fact, when asked about the war, he stated, I don't know what is happening, but whatever the position of my government is, I support it fully. As the interview came to a close, he knew he would soon be tortured and beaten for his defiance. He decided that he had one last shot to help save himself and his fellow POWs. So in the waning moments of the interview, he allowed his eyes to convey the message of his heart. While pretending the camera lights were bothering him, he blinked out a message in Morse code. The word was T-O-R-T-U-R-E, torture. And in that moment, Jeremiah Denton would shake the world with his coded message of, help us, we are being tortured. And yet, as terrible as that moment is, I would like to explore another moment where codes from the heart led to an amazing outcome.
Mary Stilwell was 16 years old, old enough to be dating, perhaps, and yet to Mary's father it seemed this young man, Tommy, was becoming all too serious all too quickly. They had met at work. In the beginning, Mary would come home each day to report how that Tommy had continued to glance up at her throughout the day, or he was standing much too close, mother, or he began making forward comments, such as, What do you think of me? he would ask, or Do you like me? Well, as the weeks went by, Mary did begin to like Tommy. Quite a lot, in fact. One day, he got up the nerve to ask her out, and they went on a date. They had a wonderful time. And then, Tommy began calling on Mary at home. Her parents kept a watchful eye on the courtship. The young people were made to sit in the parlor and converse politely. Not about personal matters, of course, but about their work or the weather. And all with Mary's mother and sometimes father sitting nearby, monitoring each word. And that would have probably been the extent of the young couple's relationship had Tommy not devised a, um, a plan. You see, Tommy knew the Morse code. So each morning when he and Mary met at work and each evening before he left, he taught her a new letter of the alphabet in Morse code. And soon enough, before long, the dots and dashes had aligned and combined in Mary's mind to comprise a language of pulses which she could share with Tommy privately. That is, whenever he visited her home, the two would sit in the parlor. And while eavesdropping parents would hear only idle, inconsequential talk, Tommy, while holding a coin, a silver quarter, would tap out what he really meant to say in the palm of Mary's hand, and then pass the coin to Mary, and she would do the same. And thus did they converse in perfect secrecy, right under the noses of her parents. And then, one evening in Mary's parlor, as they openly and verbally discussed the show being played down at Taylor and Sylvester's music hall, Tommy tapped out in Mary's palm these words, I have been thinking of you constantly. Would you marry me? And Mary Stilwell, large soft eyes moist with tears, took the coin from Tommy and responded in Morse code, that would make me very happy. And so once upon a time, did a young love take root and blossom, even under parental scrutiny, culminating in a silent proposal in the parlor. The sound of wedding bells echo echoing through a snowy hill on Christmas Day, the year 1871. And all because a determined and young suitor discovered the means of achieving the impossible, public privacy.
and through their marriage on occasion, he and Mary continued to communicate in Morse code. In fact, after Tom's hearing had failed to the point that he could no longer understand the dialogue in a stage play, Mary, placing her hand on his knee in the darkness, would tap her fingers against his leg, relaying everything the actors said. It's been more than 140 years since that time. The world prefers to honor the accomplishments of Mary's husband in order of their significance to the rest of us. But now you have learned of the invention that meant the most to them. The invention that made possible the silent proposal of Thomas Alva Edison. You heard it on Jabber. Please subscribe wherever you are listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, please leave us a five-star review. That helps us so very much. Also, if you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us by emailing jabberpodcast at gmail.com. That's J-A-B-R podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening.